Thanks for tuning in to Sunday Recap, a special edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more sermons and podcasts, go to begrace.org slash podcast. I'm Joey Colon, assistant pastor here at Grace Bible Church. I'm Chris Webster, the assistant pastor of Loud Noises and Emails. Mm, I'm Dave McMurray. I'm the pastor of teaching and talking on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I knew Joey would shudder. <laughs> it's okay. real life. I love it. Uh, I really do. Well, this week, Dave, Chris, we're in a new sermon series, so... Chris got to do lots of artwork and uh, fun things. Dave got to work hard on a new series. New series is the Joseph stories, God's purposes in a dysfunctional world. Um, so I have some questions before we start talking specifically about this sermon. Maybe you could give us some background on why Joseph. Um, mm. Why did we choose the Joseph stories? What's your? Yeah. We we usually. Uh talk through with the staff team and with the elder board kind of what we think are the needs of the body and then we you know pray through different books and it, it's somewhat a balance of calendar you know time to fill books we have or have not studied yet as a church books I think I'm capable of teaching you know uh, different periods of time and we really felt like the Joseph stories attacked a lot of family dysfunction issues that that are issues in our culture right now. And so we just thought we needed to hit that head on and that going through the Joseph stories was a good way to hit that, you know, while still studying through a book kind of in order. So so your main goal is to look at dysfunctional families. Do you have other side goals with Joseph? Yeah, I think um, we like to have a balanced diet of kind of flipping back and forth between Old Testament and New Testament. So that was a part of what we were looking forward to, helping people understand how to read biblical narrative and context. Um, I think one of the things we try to do in our preaching is, you know, give people the Word of God in a clear, understandable way. So a lot of that is like digesting it down and making it bottom shelf. But we're also trying to model how to read and study the Bible while we're doing that. So kind of twin twin goals. So what is... Biblical narrative, biblical narrative look like versus letters or something that we would have studied. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been mm-hmm. studying throughout all over, but before that we were in the book of John. Mm-hmm. What's biblical narrative look like different than a gospel or than a letter? Mm-hmm. Um, man, I think for me and I think for our culture and for the kind of Bible teaching section of Christianity that we belong to, we tend to prefer didactic portions of scripture, which and didactic just means teaching. Teaching portions of scripture, like the the New Testament letters, you know, where it's just a clear teaching. Um, probably second to that, people are comfortable with the Gospels because it's about Jesus and it's you know kind of more direct. And then I think it gets fuzzy as we go back into the old, these Old Testament stories because they're stories and they're not explanations. Um, it's hard for us to know. What is uh, principle and, you know, what is this telling us about God? One of the things I attacked in the Sermon Sunday is just because something is reported in a story doesn't mean it's a model for us to follow. And I think that that throws people a lot. And so I think that makes it harder to interpret narratives. It's interesting because would, would you say, you know, thinking back through the use of story in the Bible and the use of story in history period, 
and it strikes me that really in the past, like stories have been sort of a, a mnemonic device, like a memory, a way of remembering a principle with this thing because humans love to relate to other humans and so it gets stuck in your brain if you know what the point is right mm. so that's one of the beautiful things i love already just from from you know listening to you preach through through joseph um but does that make sense i mean even you see jesus do that right like mm-hmm. he's telling these parables and it just strikes me that yeah for a mm-hmm. long time that's been a a memory thing like mm-hmm. I remember the story of this and when well, even but, you said this week, like if you were sitting around the campfire in ancient Egypt and mm. you were hearing about Chechem, you knew instantly that, mm-hmm. oh, that's mm-hmm. a bad place. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I was, yeah. I, and even that, yeah, even that throwaway comment, I was trying to help people realize, oh, this was a storytelling culture where this, it wasn't a book to be studied on your shelf <laughs> like it is for us. Mm. It was stories being shared among your people. Um, so a lot more like Netflix and a lot less like school. Hmm. Really. <laughs> episode one, season yes. one. Yes. Joseph. Well, I guess season three, episode one, Joseph oh, probably, yeah. right? Season three with Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe season four. Um, <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph. He's season four. Um, so how long are we in, Joseph? What are we looking at for timeline? We've got, what, 13 Basically chapters? 12 weeks, 12 or 13. I don't remember exactly, but it's taking us up to Christmas. We'll, we'll switch to Advent Christmas series, the beginning of December. All right. So we started this week. The story begins in Genesis 37. You called it Shattered Dreams. Did mm-hmm. you have a subtitle, or was it just Shattered Dreams? Just Shattered Dreams. Just plain Shattered Dreams. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's so dark in here. I can't read my writing. Um, so the story is the introduction of Joseph and his brothers. So we learn about Joseph being the favorite son, mm-hmm. uh, about Joseph's two dreams, mm-hmm. his brother's hatred of him, their plot against him, mm-hmm. and him being sold to Potiphar. So that's kind of yeah. outline of chapter mm-hmm. 37, mm-hmm. left us um, hanging from a cliff. Mm-hmm. Your three main points, Joseph's family was dysfunctional, mm-hmm. Joseph was abused, and... Um, God's purposes can be hard to see, Yes, which I liked. We do sermon, preach ahead, read ahead on Thursdays, Mm -hmm. and I think you had it as, um, oh man, I don't remember what it was, but it was like... uh, I was trying to tie it up a lot more, and you you gave me some good pushback, like, well, you might want to leave more of the cliffhanger yeah it was it was maybe Mm -hmm. something like god's purposes are are there or something yeah i can't remember what i said now but yeah i was i was jumping to the end of the story to say hey let's jump all the way to chapter 50 and see the end of the story which is not again that's what makes trick tricky uh what's what makes narrative tricky it's like how do you tell the story i don't want to leave the the cliffhanger yeah i want to explain it all and that's Going back to what you asked earlier about narrative, this is really personally hard for me. It's probably easier for some people, but I'm not naturally a storyteller. I'm an explainer. I want to resolve all mysteries and nail it all down. You know, that's that's my temperament. So it's it is hard for me to leave. Because part of, of good storytelling is kind of leaving the tension, building tension, leaving tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah, that's very hard for me. When I first started in preaching, I was absolutely terrible at like setting up kind of introductory stories and stuff and I think I'm a little more decent at it now but stretching your uh, storytelling muscles yes. growing your storytelling bones mm-hmm. we've talked about that even in church music how that's an interesting thing of like we have that compulsion writing songs and choosing songs of like there was sin but it's gonna be okay you know don't like <laughs> oh, sure, and skipping yeah. so, so quickly to that that you don't feel mm-hmm. the weight of the brokenness but 
Um, I mean, it's important to <laughs> to know that it is going to be okay, but mm-hmm. but I think there's probably a little more space to like have a whole song about just wow, things are hard. Um, as long as you have, <laughs> you know, in the context of the whole story, maybe. But it's almost the Good Friday thing too. We've kind of gone back and mm-hmm. forth on Good Friday services, mm-hmm. and our Good Friday service when we have done it has been the walk out with this feeling of oh he's dead mm-hmm. like it's all broken mm-hmm. um do you feel the world is broken song what is that song called mm-hmm. is he worthy is he worthy mm-hmm. yeah it's a good one i call it the catechism song because <laughs> i don't <laughs> know the real name question and answer <laughs> well the joseph story your first point joseph's family was dysfunctional mm-hmm. and you spent a good time at least in second service giving a background of joseph's family mm-hmm. i'm not sure you did that in first service and if you did I probably was distracted because of my dysfunctional family. <laughs> but, um, it was some toddler's what, fault. It was a toddler's fault. But, um, but maybe you can give us a quick background, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God's mm-hmm. promise, mm-hmm. how that, how, where we are in the story, I guess, is what you did on Sunday. I'd love yeah. if you could recap that with some details, maybe. So I was trying to give more buildup and less tying it up at the end, which again, when we did the sermon run through, I think I spent more time tying it up at the end and less setting it up. So when I actually gave the sermon, I I tried to set up the Adam and Eve story. Everything was perfect. They sinned. They didn't trust God. Um, But God makes the promise in Genesis 3.15 that a son of Eve will come and defeat the tempter, the serpent, evil in general. That's the kind of guiding promise for Genesis. And that promise is clarified Genesis 12, Abraham is called and God says, I'm going to bless the world through your family. So it becomes clear that Genesis is not just about the whole world, which the first 11 chapters are, but it's specifically about God's people, Israel. Um, so they, God starts forming them with Abraham. And then I was trying to kind of connect the, the dots with dreams too. Like Abraham had this dream slash vision where he's knocked out in Genesis 15 and God makes a covenant with Abraham that's an interesting um two-part covenant form, but God is the one really doing the covenant. So it it kind of is a prefiguring or foreshadowing of the cross where God says, I'm going to take the covenant um, consequences upon myself if you don't fulfill them, Abraham. He knocks Abraham out, puts him to the side in God's presence, and the smoking fire pot goes through the dead animals. So that symbolizes that God is taking the consequences upon himself. And then Isaac is given kind of a, I guess you'd say theophany, not quite a dream or a vision maybe, um, where he's reassured that God's going to bless the world through their family. Then Jacob is given a couple of visions. One specifically I talked about is Jacob's ladder, um, which is where God shows the ladder of angels ascending and descending to heaven. So that's the, the kind of the picture of a bridge. you know. So again, we see that as a, a picture of Jesus in the future. But I set all that up to say this: this is God's family, and God's been working in this family, and that's when this dream comes. You know, So when Joseph gets this dream, it's with all these other dreams and all these other promises as background. Um, so the big, you know, the big next thought is maybe Joseph's going to be the savior. You know, I think, I think that's, and I didn't really spell that out, but I think that's part of what Joseph might have been thinking. Oh, maybe I'm going to be the dude, you know, um, and then it all falls apart. So you led us to, up to Jacob. So defunct dysfunction dysfunction mm-hmm. in Joseph's immediate family so mm. what's up with Jacob and his 12 sons and 
and yeah, such. So Where's the defunction, dysfunction there, man? I can't speak this morning. That's all right, man. Uh, Jacob had four wives, or at two, least four wives. At least four wives. I mm. said that in one point. So he had two wives and two concubines, to be uh, technical, um, and twelve sons, other daughters, and I just made the point that that's not God's ideal, you know. And that's one of those things that we see. Oh, well, this is the way the people lived in Bible times. It must be okay. I was trying to make the point just because it's in the biblical narrative. That doesn't mean it's God's ideal. And we look at God's law. We look at the creation account. You know, theologically, we have some places where we look to say, this is the way God set things up to be, right? So when Jesus talks about marriage and sexuality, he goes back to the creation account. He says, this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, And so I was just trying to clarify that. You know, we've got a lot of a lot of that dysfunctionality in our our families, uh, but also broader, more broadly, the you know the church families, and that that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, God's ideal is that we would be faithful and stick with one spouse and not have fractured or kind of broken families. So that was a big deal that I emphasized. Also, the favoritism it was a a mark of brokenness to me. Um, I don't really have a, a Ten Commandment verse on that one, but that was—I just pulled the pastor card. Hey, bad idea to play favorites, you know. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of clear from the story, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Jacob is, or Jacob Joseph is the son of Jacob from his wife that he actually did love, the mm-hmm. first one from him, mm-hmm. and it's clear in the text, like he's given a robe, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. He, he all but says, you're my favorite son in the right. text, right? Yeah, the fancy robe, it, yeah, it's kind of like a royal, you know, in our day and age, it's like all the other brothers were working on a farm and then he bought, you know, this $50,000 truck just for this son, but didn't really give the same things to the other sons or whatever. You're so Texas, it had to be yeah. a truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reaching, I'm reaching. I did not grow up on a farm. Well, I think that's, you know, it's funny. I, I just realized I do this in my head, but it's a fun experiment when you're hearing a story, right, mm-hmm. of like putting yourself in the shoes of different characters. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, and then it's, it's interesting to analyze. I, I think, so as, I don't know, I guess as Americans, I would guess we are, and as p- people who consume you know story and popular culture and movies we put usually put ourselves in the hero role Hmm. and so then we have a whole different take so if you're joseph you're like man i'm just having cool dreams why won't these guys leave me alone you know it's not Mm -hmm. my fault i'm the favorite you know i almost feel defensive (laughs) for him Mm -hmm. but then it's really helpful to say okay now what would it feel like to be one of the brothers Mm -hmm. you know who and and then it's like a whole different story all of a sudden like Mm -hmm. whoa what why is he getting, you know, these magic robes and there's 11 more of us and mm-hmm. um, not magic, sorry, colorful. Um, mm-hmm. And then as the father, right, like saying, saying, um, well, yeah, this is like, man, I really love this wife. She was the one I intended to marry. You can mm-hmm. go into that whole backstory, but mm-hmm. uh, I was tricked into marrying someone else. Like, this is all messed up, but I, I just really love this kid. And why can't I just buy him a robe? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but I think that's even, even in our own families of dysfunction. Like, sometimes that gives you a little more grace as you can as you can put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and think, man, what would I do? It's not as easy or clear cut as as it seems if you just think of yourself as the central hero and um, yeah, it gives you a little more grace for other people, I guess. Yeah. And I wish, 
Yeah, I kind of wish I'd had more time to to play that out, but that, I think that is helpful to yeah put yourself in the shoes of the characters. That's why we're having this secret conversation. There you go. We're, yeah. we're solving that <laughs> issue now. Exactly. And to be fair, we've been giving you a pretty hard time about going over your time, so you're probably yes. feeling the dysfunction of our staff in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need more time. So there's probably more dysfunction going on than just favoritism if it gets to the point where they see Joseph coming from the distance and they decide, let's just kill him. Mm-hmm. Um Probably some mob mentality, I'm sure some, especially demonstrated by Ruben saying, no, no, let's not do this. But there's there's lots of dysfunction going on. Um, well, I'll just say that I, th- I thought it was, was a good point, kind of along with what I was just saying. But you mentioned mm-hmm. um, at one point just the importance of saying I'm part of the dysfunction. Like, mm, yeah. I think that's somewhat sometimes a very uniquely Christian kind of recovery mm-hmm. moment of of like realizing all the blame does not lie outside of me you know Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. don't put you know (laughs) don't blame yourself if if that's not true but Mm -hmm. but often and most of the time we we have something we we have been a part of the dysfunction and i just think that was such a good a good point and usually that's that's a marker of a really healthy journey out of Mm -hmm. the pain is is Mm -hmm. saying like i'm not just going to blame everyone else for for what's gone wrong, yeah, you know. Or you yeah. also you also talked about maybe even viewing mm-hmm. things incorrectly that mm. it might not have been the same dysfunction that you thought you saw as a right. young person. Yeah, I, I thought that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. So my wife and I both grew up in really broken homes, you know, probably not all that different than the average American, but still significantly broken and as Christians and as, Bible readers had the ability to look back and go, man, there was a lot of messed up stuff. You know, there was just a lot of things that were messed up in our family. And in that journey of walking through that and thinking about it, I've also realized, oh, there, there are some things we just misunderstood. You know, um, I think I've seen that as I've talked to other people who have looked back on the past and kind of tried to deal with their past. Um, for one thing, you start to become empathetic with your parents, like, oh, they were broken people. You know, you kind of feel sorry for them. So even even if they hurt you, you're like, well, yeah, that, that was still messed up, but I feel sad for them. You know, they're broken people. But then you can also begin to go, oh, wait, I was broken, so I misinterpreted it. You know, I, I thought this, um, and that's not really what they intended. You know, that wasn't what they intended at all. And there's another side of the coin, which maybe leads us to the next point of abuse, too, mm-hmm. of where you don't not call sin sin you don't not you don't mm-hmm. say yeah you don't let people off the hook necessarily at least as far as justice is concerned you're saying no that was completely wrong and and i had a you know hand in some things sometimes but right. um yeah i think that was good and that's another maybe uniquely christian thing of justice and mercy of this this strange mm-hmm. living together of mm-hmm. Just because I have blame doesn't mean there's less blame somewhere else, or or doesn't mean mm-hmm. I have to call evil good or something like that. Yeah. You know? Well, and that was helpful for me. I, I mentioned the book Redemption by Mike Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. I was flipping back through that, and just the way they divided it up in the chapter. I think it was page eighty-two. I read a little section from, but when they were talking about forgiveness, they talked about the two sides of it, and that. If you don't call sin, sin, 
you can't really forgive it. And I, th- I think we mm-hmm. skip over that a lot of times. We're just like, oh, bad thing happened, moving on. And we think of forgiveness as like overlooking, which I think overlooking things is, is a good way to get along with people. <laughs> you know, it's like a good practical tool in our tool belts. But mm-hmm. when genuine sin and abuse is taking place, you have to like stare it in the face, say that was evil, and then forgive it. And I, I just think kind of going through the whole process is important. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you talked about recognizing the dysfunction. So, mm-hmm. you know, we said it might not have been you. It might mm-hmm. not have been the same way you saw it. But mm-hmm. recognizing that at points there is dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And then you led that kind of almost straight into Joseph was abused. Mm-hmm. There was actual evil that happened to him. Mm-hmm. There was wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about that and related kind of both of them to our lives and our families and abuse that may happen to us. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or points on that like you talked a lot about you got to name it first mm-hmm, you got to mm-hmm. recognize that it's real yeah I mean, and the points did blend together a little bit but i think for me so in preaching you're not supposed to have two points that are kind of the same <laughs> it's a bad idea but in this section i just thought well this is the way the story unfolds and they are kind of overlapping but kind of different categories you know like my family was a little bit messed up is different than i was outright abused at the age of seven this thing I was happened sold into slavery i was like, sold into slavery they wanted to murder me you know so mm. i just thought you know we got to talk about both issues because the average well everybody has dysfunction you know everybody has dysfunction and everybody's been sinned against i don't know that everybody has has been you know abused in the most extreme cases but we've all been sinned against and we've all had kind of dysfunctional broken pieces and so i was just trying to kind of hit it from from all angles uh I talked a lot about how as men, men, we cope by being like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. You know, kind of, we, we cope by being tough. And one thing I really learned over the years, I used a, a specific example of like a marriage group we went through 10 or 15 years ago. When I was reporting family dysfunction, I just reported it very flippantly. Yep, I'm fine, moving on, you know, and the, the leader really challenged me to... to grieve you know like you should be sad about this this is not right that you're not sad you know and um so i was kind of trying to push our people in that direction as well that that was helpful for me and i think that's a helpful part of the process is like lining our emotions up with reality kind of so what are some resources for doing that that Mm. we either offer here or have in the community or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think a practice that's really good is praying the psalms one thing I've encouraged people to do is translate the Psalms. Um, so like, you know, you can just read the Psalms, read them in different translations, but also actually rewrite them, you know, in your own words. And because um, then what you're doing is you're reading God's word, but you're reading God's word in a place where it actually encourages lament and grief and crying out to God. Um, and then a book that I recommend is the book Redemption. I think it's a really, really helpful book. Uh, yeah, that just helps connect some of those dots. Who wrote Redemption? It's a guy named Mike Wilkerson. Um, he used to be a counseling pastor or a biblical counseling pastor at Mars Hill Church before Mars Hill dissolved back in 2014, I guess. And he's he now, I think, runs a ministry that just teaches people how to do kind of healing small groups based on the book. Yeah, I would say, too, 
That's so yeah, great things. It, it's interesting the difference between doing it alone and with with others. And you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned having others around you. Mm-hmm. And I think as men, that that almost just never happens naturally. Like, hey, let's share our life stories and figure mm-hmm. out what it all means. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we have to have an excuse or a, you know mm-hmm. some kind of plan we committed to. But I, I've noticed those things happen for sure. Like in our celebrate recovery ministry, oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it in um, like. Our veteran ministry, the valley, mm-hmm. um, but I think, I think I would just say, for for any any man, like you, you need to pursue that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's nice when it just happens, you know, and you're just in a ministry where you're forced to do it, or but uh, whether you need to do that and get yourself in that ministry, or or I mean, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how you game yourself into it. Like, hey guys, let's get together, and but mm-hmm. I think also where it comes up maybe most natural I've seen in just regular Joe Christian life is telling your testimony and having to, having to write it out. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can get better as you do it. And and if you have someone to guide you, that's really the best thing to say, Hey, you're, uh, either not mentioning any of the dark things that happened and, and what God did with that, or you're, you know, you're putting too much weight on, your own work in this and not God's, you know, things like that. But, but that's a good step in the right direction of even just trying to, to recap, what have I seen God do in my life? So in a way that I can tell it to other people. So, yeah, my, my old pastor that just died a few weeks ago, one of his kind of goofy things he would say is if, if I come to do your funeral and your family doesn't know your spiritual history, I'm going to thump you in your dead head. (laughs) (laughs) And his point was, you know, as a pastor, you come in and you're talking to the family and you're like, tell me this person about this person's spiritual life. And if they can't tell you that, like there was a failure to transmit that story. Um, so I think as as men, that's one of the ways we do it is we actually tell our our kids and our wife and our, you know, our family. But I think uh, the develop in the development stage and you're still trying to figure out the story. It's really helpful to just tell it to peers and to friends. So. Mm. Man, this made me think of, I was just reading something about uh, trauma and kind of PTSD and uh, just dealing with general trauma in your past. And um, one thing I thought was really fascinating was they said um, how damaging it can be to come from a family that does not share their feelings. Mm -hmm. And you you get into this strange uh, world of feeling shame if you ever say your feelings because if like if you say hey you know my friend and i got in a fight you're at the dinner table and say my friend and i got in a fight and and this is really hard and they're like oh that yeah yeah, quiet quiet it's gonna be okay Mm -hmm. pass the salt you know Mm -hmm. you get into this strange shame-filled thing but i think that's fascinating too of like not underestimating the impact it can have on your family if you or on you, if you have come from a family that didn't talk about their faith or didn't talk about their emotions, didn't talk about all, any of that, mm. and how important it is as fathers that we somehow figure out a way to foster that, you know, to to actually have those. One of the things I recommend to men is to marry a woman. I think that's a really good <laughs> good practice. <laughs> so helpful. It's very helpful. Yes. Mm, good point. She'll make you talk about stuff. Mm. As long as she's an Enneagram four <laughs> through seven. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah, but I don't know. That's been helpful for me to think about because a lot of the private private faith mm-hmm. and not learning how to talk about your story is and, and not learning how to talk about your past can be 
just a, a effect of a dysfunctional family, right? And mm. you're like, I didn't even realize I have this resistance to saying out loud and thinking mm-hmm. through my past because my family didn't talk about that stuff. I was know? trained not to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just another little tidbit on that is, like, if you're in a small group, just make that one of your practices. Like, mm. hey, we're all going to share our story of this. You know, we're going to do the five-minute run-through or even the the 30-minute version, whatever it is. But it's, it's just good to get in the habits of sharing those in groups as well. So join a small group. Join a group. Mm-hmm. So you went from dysfunctional family, Joseph was actually abused, mm-hmm. to, oh, now i got to look again at the notes because you changed it from Thursday. Yeah. To God's purposes can be hard to see. Yes. And my underlying image was cliffhanger. I kept coming back to you. I think I mentioned in the first service and forgot to say this in the second service, that we love cliffhangers in narratives that we read, but we don't like them in our life. And um, that's been really meaningful to me when I'm experiencing a cliffhanger. (laughs) Just realize, hmm, God is telling a story. You know, like I'm living in the story that God is telling, and I can trust Him. Um, mm. that, and that's been been helpful to see and be reminded of. Mm. Oh, I loved that that scene set up. It was very. You've been watching too much Netflix, I think, but mm. <laughs> but it was very such a movie moment of like Ruben, right? Is gonna mm. he's gonna save the day? He's gonna get Joseph out, and then just it's it was such like a scene from from a movie or show. Like he runs up to the pit, and it's mm-hmm. empty, and mm-hmm. it's like what has happened? What uh, have you done? Everything's. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so cinematic. Though I don't know, mm-hmm. stirred my imagination. I think even his, yeah. res- his response was like, "Where shall I go? Or what yeah. shall I do?" Or, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, ah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a dramatic scene, and then. Jacob, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down. Just let me die, basically. Yeah, basically yeah. let me die. I'm gonna go down to death in mourning. Don't try to comfort me. Basically, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, my my mother's family experienced something like that. There, my mother was the oldest. She had a, a brother a couple years younger, and then she had a younger brother, the kind of apple of her parents' eye. That was the sweet kid that everybody loved. That was ten years younger. And he died in a terrible farming accident. Mm. And so her mom and dad went down to their grave in mourning, basically. It was, mm. it was kind of a horrendous thing that happened to the family. Mm. And uh, this, this story reminds me of, of those, those family stories. Mm. Wow. So what, what was, remind me, what was your response to that? Or what, what was your advice in that? It was just <laughs> kind of, well, you don't know. That, that was yeah. when I came, actually, that was when I brought up the praying the Psalms. Yeah. Uh, and I, I talked about Psalm 13 is a great, how long, O Lord, Psalm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of those, how long, O Lord, what are you doing? Save me. Where are you? Mm-hmm. A lot of those lament Psalms. It, lament is actually the most common type of Psalm. Um, and so Psalm 13 is six verses and four of them are crying out to God. Two of them are yet, I will trust you. You've, mm-hmm. you've proven yourself faithful. I'll trust in your grace but the first four verses are, are crying out to God. So just encouraged people to kind of live in that moment and, and pray those kind of prayers to God. I see the, the pattern too in, in the Psalms of him, yeah, re- reminding himself of God's faithfulness. And I think about this, because it really is truly hard to live through those moments with, with faith and with grace and, and really reminding yourself of hope. But I think for every time you cling to God, through those dark moments and he's 
you know, you come out the other side and, and it's okay again. Mm-hmm. You have that that moment of evidence to look back to. There's many moments of evidence. So when you're in the thick of that that seemingly impossible thing, you can say, but I've seen, if I choose to remember, I've seen when I clung to God and mm-hmm. and everything was okay. You know, it's, mm-hmm. David does that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, I talked a little bit about well, they had to look back on the past. God had made promises in the past. So they had, they had promises they could look back on parallel. We, we have promises and fulfillments we can look back on. We can look back on the cross, even though everything's not finished yet. You know? mm-hmm. So we look back on the cross and say, God came for us. He loves us. He's pursuing us. He's taken our sin. He's given us resurrection life in Christ. But we're still groaning and longing. That's the Romans 8 thing I, I brought in is we're, we're still groaning. We're still waiting. And Paul says, I consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing to to the glory that's going to be revealed. So there's still better to come we're waiting for. Yeah, and it, I think part of it is that it doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to get better. You're not going to mm-hmm. get double-double promotions mm-hmm. or, or anything, right? Um, yeah. yeah, it can be a long wait. Yeah. And that, and again, that's, that's hard for me. Cause I want to, I want to just, I want to comfort. And I think that's part of That's part of why I struggle with leaving the tension in a narrative is because I'm a comforter. So I should be able, you know, I just want to say, it's going to be okay. Everything's great. It's fine. You know? Yeah. And we do in the story, we do kind of get a hint of it's going to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. the end of the text is something like he was sold mm-hmm. um, to Potiphar Pharaoh's, Captain of the guard Mm -hmm. in Egypt. Yeah. And anyone who had heard the story before would know, Mm -hmm. oh, remember, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of of a reminder slash, I mean, if you'd never heard the story before, you wouldn't necessarily know that that was a good thing. But you you might think, well, he got sold to a pretty Mm -hmm. good high-ranking guy. Like, that might be nice. An open door. So, there's there's definitely some some Mm -hmm. hint of the hope there in the text. Yeah, it's like that final scene in a movie where you're like, oh, there's going to be a sequel, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, there's another episode coming. Yeah, Somehow, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. It like plays after the credits, and mm-hmm. you had to stay in the theater long enough to be able to actually see it. Mm-hmm. But It strikes me, too, just just how shaped by our, our current moment we are. You know, these, these short-form pieces of juicy content these movies we really are used to it being resolved within an hour you Mm -hmm. know and like surely that has had an effect on our expectations of our lives you know Mm -hmm. that that just this is not supposed to last this long you know but i just think again and again that's the beauty of reading these bible stories and if you actually pay attention to the timeline and how long people were waiting for for the end of the story, you know, you can even read, read through Genesis, and it's yeah. these long stretches of waiting and mm-hmm. and wondering. Um, but we're not used to that, even in the entertainment we, we consume. You know, that's, well, the best we can tell, it's hard to reconstruct all the details, but the best we can tell, these stories were first being told by Moses and written by Moses during the Exodus period. So he's. Mm. He's rescuing, God's rescuing the people out of Israel, and they're wandering for 40 years. So from what we understand, that's when these stories were, were written down. God gave them to Moses. We, we understand the first five books of the Bible as books of Moses. So Moses is looking back on how did we even end up in 
Well, I'm looking Egypt, at you know. the promise to Abraham mm-hmm. that's passed mm-hmm. to Isaac, that's yeah, passed he's, to Jacob, he's but making now we're at Joseph. Epic. Yeah, it's like he's stretching this out. And uh, yeah, so it's also, I think, helpful to think about, okay, where were they in history when the story was first told, the first mm-hmm. telling of the story? You know, I had a lot of fun. I, I want to nerd out on the art for a second because I had fun <laughs> this time around mm-hmm. with many layers. And I, I, it was it was cool to me just knowing the broader story and even weaving in some things that that were bigger than just the Joseph story, you know, kind of have this sort of star pattern that's happening that, you know, thinking of the promises promise to Abraham, your descendants will be like the stars. But then mm-hmm. Joseph has this dream of, of the stars bowing down to him and love, mm-hmm. but there's this interesting interweaving. And then um, there's this strange metaphor of, of blood that happens. We know later on for, for the Israelite people being saved from slavery, they put blood over the doors to save him. And there's this, crazy thing with them dipping blo- Joseph's earlier, you know, in Joseph's mm. story, they're dipping in blood. And so mm. anyway, but I think, so I w- w- tried to weave in this kind of blood swash at the top that is like, mm. there's hope coming in the mm-hmm. future. And even the pyramids in the art are like both a symbol of, Oh, Joseph's going to Egypt and this amazing story is going to play out. But also there's these pyramids that we think were probably built by slaves and there's the symbol mm-hmm. of slavery also like these, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but there's like a, a, a sunburst from behind the, the pyramids, kind of this idea of you're going to go past even Egypt to the promised land. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I just thought that was fun. And that's one of the things I love about the story of the Bible is these repeated, sometimes you don't even know, you know, why these certain things come up again and again, you know, the number 12, right, happens with the disciples. And, but anyway, but I love the epic story God's telling and tells through the scriptures. And um, it was fun to try to capture some of that in the art. But Yeah, I think uh, you're hitting on the whole narrative thing there. Yeah, there's these symbols and art. It's like art for our ears, you know, repeated mm. symbols and themes that come up a lot. And I just don't think, I just don't think art, tribe of christianity is real good at seeing those things Mm. i I don't i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm misreading it but i feel like i've gotten better at understanding the bible as i've learned about literature with my kids you know so just having discussions about literature and learning how to read literature and classic literature has actually made me better at at uh reading scripture it's not something i valued that much when i was younger i was not a i was not a big reader of of narrative in fiction um, how would you recommend working on that, like mm. getting better at seeing those type of things yeah, to just really come with question. practice and reading, or is it like an actual skill you can grow? Hmm. Well, uh, I, th- I, I mean, a resource I would recommend is the Bible Project. They do videos where they summarize the themes and symbols, and they do kind of ink ink art kind of animation so it'll be like like i say a five minute video that will summarize a book of the bible and tell the themes um so i'd encourage watching those videos and then rereading those books you know don't just watch the videos (laughs) but actually then read those books you know as you're as you're getting the summaries and seeing the themes and go back and reread it i think uh reading a chronological bible has really helped me over the years seeing the story unfold in order has been helpful for me Getting a historical sense of when, you know, where these people fit in the timeline is really helpful. Um, and then, man, I'm not sure what else. Like I said, I feel like I'm I'm still learning this. I don't, I don't feel like I'm that good. 
uh, I think just looking for it, you know, being, being on the alert, looking for repeated motifs. I think Robert Alter is a famous Jewish scholar, and he says, uh, what you look for is the repetition of a similarity with a slight change. That's a common Hebrew hmm. narrative form, you know, so they'll tell a story and then they'll tell the story again, or they'll tell a similar story. You know, one of those is barren woman having a child, you know, that appears again and again throughout all the Old Testament. And he says, so look for that pattern, and then you'll see the variations on the pattern, which kind of highlights something important about the next story. Um, it strikes me, too, that, that that's so critical to this whole thing of processing, going through dysfunction and abuse and mm-hmm. having hope. I think you said our tribe doesn't really love these symbols, and I think I think a lot of that is, is our, our culture, modern American culture, does not like anything we can't fully explain, right? We've been mm. drenched in the scientific method. That's great, but we really are uncomfortable with with unexplained things, or mm. you can't a hundred percent say what this means versus doesn't. And and um, we've had that that you know conversation way too often. But this idea of we live in a disenchanted kind of a world, and I think that for sure is so much of the dynamic when you're going through suffering. Of you're either thinking. I'm all there is to get through this. The, all that there actually is at all is this thing I can see that's hurting. And like, this is all that there's no, there's no God at work. That's the temptation, right? The wrong mm-hmm. temptation is to say, there is nothing mysterious happening here. It's all just what I see and feel. Um, and there's, there's so much danger to that. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't again, I don't know the answer to it, but I do feel like, the need is to hold on to this sense of wonder in some sense. Like there is so much we can know, but there's also, we need to be a little more comfortable with God is mysteriously working in a way I can't understand. And, Mm -hmm. and I can kind of be excited about that to see that like, Mm -hmm. there is some unexplained ending to this story, even if it's just me getting to end up in heaven, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I also can't completely explain or don't know what it looks like, but Somehow, yeah, I love that word wonder. That's one of my favorite words because it, it it has two meanings. It's kind of awe and also like, oh, this is the end of my knowledge. I, like, I wonder what that is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's so important to work through grief and, and hard things and to not know the end of the story yet, you know. I think that's helpful. Yeah, I think, yeah, recognizing we're an enlightenment culture that wants to explain everything, that wants to be very scientific. And then our love of story... I think, you know, again, I, f- I feel like I'm still trying to figure this out. I think we love easy stories. Mm-hmm. And so we do movies and Netflix where it's easy and we don't have to think. <laughs> and so there are things we can learn by watching movies, by watching stories. But it's a little different than reading stories and listening to stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure. I don't even know how to put all that together. But I feel like we we kind of honor the scientific method as the most important thing in our culture for being educated and then it's like a guilty pleasure to enjoy movies and stories, but but it's not really wrong. You know, like God made people for stories, and He uses stories. So, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to put all that kind of together. some that can be kept mm-hmm. in their own compartments, like easily yeah. separated too. Yeah, you know? like mm-hmm. we don't integrate. Like we don't really those like worlds. that many stories that are real life stories, unless they're like mm-hmm. super awesome special real life stories mm-hmm. that only happen to certain people or something. You yeah, know? yeah. There's yeah, it just feels like yeah, compartmentalization is probably a good good way to think about it. We keep them in separate places in our life. 
I think some of the symbolism to go back to that that we avoid and mm-hmm. kind of don't do is partially because it's been taken too far you know like yeah. oh this symbol yeah. plus this symbol means that God's coming back on October 16th you mm-hmm. know like yeah. Yeah. we had a lot of that in the last mm-hmm. 20 years yeah. maybe yeah I think an overemphasis on eschatology is where fundamentalist Christianity has gone overboard with symbols and then liberalism kind of says it's all symbol no actual depth mm-hmm. in reality you know so there's like kind of two extremes where we've gone too far with symbolism it's mm. a good point do you feel special connection to this joseph story joseph your name is joseph um nope not really <laughs> do uh, you need to maybe, get your robe i don't know uh mm. i don't want to talk about that discussion. <laughs> you want to hear about it i'm uh, gonna question. edit it out of the uh, episode all right <laughs> So when I was a kid, uh-huh. my parents got me a robe. Whoa! Uh huh. Because I was Joseph, and you know, new Christians, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they got me a, a multicolored robe, and Whoa. we had um, Sunday night, kind of like a or something, Pioneers Clubs, mm-hmm. and we were doing a skit. Mm-hmm. And some other kid was Joseph in the skit, so they used my robe, which was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then my dad gave the robe to him. <gasps> oh, uh-huh. no. Dysfunction. <laughs> He, he, he legitimately Man, he gave the robe to he was like a foster kid who had nothing I'm sure yeah. like looking back I'm sure it looking was something back like now, it was like a like sweet thing my for dad, your dad was to do. trying to be sweet but yeah. you know we already had some weird mm-hmm. dysfunctions and then so like this prized possession that he gave to me like literally the story of Joseph mm-hmm. like ripped wow. off me and dipped in blood and gave it to somebody wow. else you know and then your brothers so, and sisters tried to kill you well. <laughs> That, yeah, you know that happened later. But <laughs> yeah, so. you're not allowed to edit that out. Though. That was like <laughs> totally oh, editing. Totally oh, editing. Oh, that. Breaks oh, my um, heart. Oh, sorry, Joseph. Maybe not. I don't know. Sorry, we'll Joey. see. We'll see what happens. You, the listener, will find out. Mm. Well, I feel a special connection because my middle name is Joseph, mm. and my grandfather's name Joseph. My uncle's name Joseph. My grandmother was named Josephine, and my other grandmother was also named Josephine. Mm. So it's a very important name in our family. Mm, do you know what the, it means? It means addition. It's like added, added to, or extra one, or something. The Lord will add. The Lord will add. You have a daughter with Josephine middle name. Oh, nice. Mm. I don't know if I knew that or not. Yep. I have a son named Joseph too. Yeah. Well, mm. Joseph three actually. So. <laughs> That's the Joseph ending. There. Three and Can super three just... D. <laughs> um, maybe I won't edit it out. We'll see. <laughs> well, anything else that we missed that we should talk about? Mm another resource oh tim keller he's he's just a great preacher i think that does a good job being kind of walking the line of of being exegetically careful but showing symbols showing how symbols connect kind of literary echoes is what i call it like here's a story and then oh here's a here's another version of that story coming up again in the new testament so so anyway just recommend his stuff in general Well, thanks for tuning in to Sunday Recap, a special edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast where we talk about life and faith based off our sermon this past Sunday. Uh, For more sermons and podcasts, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org.